Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we will be reviewing the last of the Best Picture nominees that we need to review here on the Silver Screen Podcast. That is Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi, starring a couple of different people. Scarlett Johansson got an Oscar nomination for this movie. Roman Griffin Davis plays Jojo, who is the child in it. Thomas and McKenzie's also in it, who's a rising star. So excited to talk about that in just a little bit. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I was a little under the weather for the Super Bowl, but I'm feeling much better. Um, all things considered, just in time for the Oscar party. Good. Good to know. So, yeah, shout out to the Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl. So Yeah, congr- good job. I was so happy for them. Congrats to them and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Very cool. So we're going to get into Jojo yeah, Rabbit here. And- Oops, go ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say my sister-in-law lives in Indiana, but was born in Kansas City, Missouri. So I was definitely oh, okay. rooting for them. But that was cool. And she also knows that Kansas City's in Missouri. Good to know. Very big comeback, yeah. too, for the Chiefs at the end there. It looked for like the real? 49ers were going to win it, and then the Chiefs just exploded in the in the fourth quarter. So that's the most sports talk we'll ever get into on this show. That's it. Just so we you know. We also watch sports on this. <laughs> at, the two of us watch sports, but we don't talk about Unless it. Unless we have a sports movie that we're reviewing, we probably won't talk sports right. too much. So before we get into the Jojo Rabbit review, though, we're going to just review the BAFTA Award winners real quick because those were this past weekend, which are the British Academy Film Awards awards and the BAFTAs are pretty good indicator of what could win at the Oscars. A lot of critics will use it as kind of like this, you know, if you win at the BAFTAs and you're trending in the right direction for the Oscars, especially since they're so close to each other. Although sometimes the BAFTAs are a little biased because they're the British Film Awards. So they tend to award British films more than, you know, American ones, which is the case in this situation because 1917 won Best Film at the BAFTAs and Best British Film at the BAFTAs and had the most awards. So the Brits love to, you know, shower the Brits with gifts, and that's what happened here at the BAFTAs. But some other awards, the acting categories are... I think the acting categories are locked for the Oscars. And normally you wouldn't be able to say that going into the Oscars, but I think the four that are going to win, because they've won everything else up to this point, Joaquin Phoenix, Best Actor, Renee Zellweger, Best Actress, Brad Pitt, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Laura Dern, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. They all won at the BAFTAs. They've won at numerous other award shows. So, uh, Katie, and normally a category that we sometimes have trouble predicting, I think, is all four are pretty much a lock this year. I actually agree with you. I was hoping that you and I, since we're always in a playful competition, that you would <laughs> like we would vote for different things. But I think we're both going to vote for those. I originally, probably two award shows ago, I thought the only person that could take something was Adam Driver could take it from Joaquin. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Yeah, it could happen. But I think he's the he's got the only real he's the only one that can really compete with any of the categories. Right. So right. I think that's the only one there. Some screenplays. Taika Waititi won for Jojo Rabbit for Best Adapted. Uh, Bong Joon-ho won for Best Original Screenplay for Parasite. So Little Women was kind of the front runner in the Best Adapted Screenplay category for a while. So the fact that Jojo Rabbit won at the BAFTAs could mean things aren't great for Greta Gerwig going into the Oscars. But again, this is just kind of the first one that it's won for screenplay. So it could happen still for Little Women, which I know you would like Little Women to at least win something. <laughs> I would. And I would love to point out for I do think that Little Women has a strong chance and BAFTAs. It's in Europe. Yep. They're talking about I mean, I know they left the EU, whatever Brexit, but uh, they I I feel like I can understand why they awarded Jojo Rabbit, because I think you're right that they reward other Brits like they reward 
Europe for things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So I think it's a little stacked. But I do want to remind you that although I'm really tired of 1917, everybody talking about it, I want (laughs) to let you know Little Women is still sitting at a comfortable 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it is still winning in that category. There you go. So it did win Best Costume Design at the BAFTAs. Uh, 1917 won Best Cinematography, Best Production Design, Best Sound, Best Visual Effects. No surprise there. It's probably going to clean up in the technical categories. The Joker won Best Score. That seems to be kind of a lock. The guy that did Joker's score going into the Oscars. Thomas Newman is kind of the most uh, thought of contender for 1917, but it seems like the Joker score might take that. And Bombshell won for Best Makeup and Hair. So I also like that the the BAFTAs have an award called Best Casting, too, which I think is kind of interesting. Like, how well does the person fit the role? And Joker won that, which I would have to agree. Joaquin Phoenix does a great job as the Joker. So, but the other ones nominated in that category were Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Two Popes, and then a movie I haven't heard much about, The Personal History of David Copperfield. So those were nominated in Best Casting. But I think that's an interesting award to have. Just like, hey, you did a good job casting these people for this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's actually a really cool award. I like when award shows have kind of a, a mm-hmm. different one like that. Like, I know you and I always kind of get into um, Golden Globes, how they'll reward like comedies versus and then they'll do. I know they do like ensemble cast, things like that. Yeah, I like those awards. Some of them will do uh, ensemble cast, too. Also, the BAFTAs has a rising star award that is voted on by the public. So that's kind of cool. Um, but Michael Ward won that this year, who I'm not super familiar with. But other people nominated in that category were Aquafina, Caitlin Dever from Booksmart, Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, who was in It Comes at Night, and then Jack Loudon, who was in a miniseries, War and Peace, back in 2016. But he's a Scottish actor. So hmm. it's kind of an interesting little category there, too, like Best Rising Actor or Actress. So those are your BAFTA award winners there. And again, the Oscars at the time of this recording coming up this weekend. So excited to see what will happen at those in Los Angeles. And then real quick, before we get into Jojo Rabbit, you also found an interesting article about our last review, which was Parasite. Yes, actually. Okay, so this is from an article. It's on the gospelcoalition.org. For those of you who are not religious, don't be swayed. It's just a really cool article. But um, my favorite pastor I've ever had, uh, I no longer go to that church, but his, his wife, Sherry, sent this on to me. And she cares about the podcast and Mm -hmm. really is very encouraging. She sent me this because she knew I loved Parasite. And the article, I'll give you the title at the end because I don't want to lose my place. But I thought it was freaky. They talked about... like this is a quote, the film shows our desi- how our desires are often most dangerous when they begin to come true. We slowly realize the fulfilled desires don't actually feed the soul. They suck it dry, which mm. I thought was creepy. And then my, f- yeah. And then my favorite quote, I couldn't find, I wanted to ask you about this. I can't find the exact part in the article, okay. but I'll bring it up. But my favorite quote from it, there's a gentleman named Mike Cosper. And he says, it's easier to grasp that we're either sinners or saints than to acknowledge that we're a mix of both, which I thought was such a good quote because my dad's always saying that to me, like people are not one thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's always good to remember, especially when you get upset with someone. Um, Or like I even thought about it recently with Kobe Bryant dying, uh, how people are saying, well, he's this. No, but don't forget he did this. But it's good to remind ourselves that people are a mixture of things, good and evil. And ultimately, I think that's the genius that is behind Parasite. You can say whatever you want about it or that it doesn't seem likely or that you don't get it or, oh, I don't like foreign films. But I thought it was brilliant. And it's still my favorite film of the year. 
Um, but I think that that's ultimately what they're saying. But the part, Jared, that threw me off in this article was they were talking about how the, you know, the parasite, the rock that the friend gave to the sun. Yes. Yep. They said that it ultimately you figure out that it's fake because it floated because it's oh, not a real stone. Okay. And I thought I didn't catch on didn't to that. Didn't catch that at all. Um, but I thought that was really fascinating. But I thought this article was great. So thanks to Sherry for sending it. And if you guys haven't listened to Parasite, our episode came out today. Um, so this is February 5th. So it was my favorite film of the year. That's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but um, definitely listen to that episode and see that movie. Yes, really good. The desires thing is something I hadn't thought about, but it makes total sense when you think about it because the one, the rich family wants power and wealth and all of that. And basically the the lower class family just wants like status and like to be important and things like that. So that's another aspect of it that I hadn't even thought of until you brought that up. So the movie has so many different angles and I feel like I will have to rewatch it once or twice to really catch everything. So it's a really good movie. Real, as we said in the episode, really original story. So go listen to the parasite episode to hear our in-depth thoughts on parasite, but cool. Good to know. Yes, that, please. That, that was a, lots of different takes on parasite, which is cool. People are still dissecting it, even though it came out a couple months ago. So that's, that's really cool. So We'll get into our review now of Jojo Rabbit. This was released on November 8th of 2019. Not a huge like theater release. I know, Katie, you were able to see it in a theater. I was not able to see it in a theater. I saw it on streaming. So it, it had a theatrical run, but it wasn't in like a ton of theaters. They did bring it back into a, some for the Oscars. Like I know we just talked about Parasite. Parasite is playing right now in Lafayette. Um, they brought it back. So, But Jojo Rabbit, I know, was kind of more of a limited theatrical release yeah i wasn't sure i knew that they would bring it back to the small theater near me mm -hmm. um because they're really good about independent films but also like they're they are way up on the trends and like what's nominated for oscars but i was so glad they brought it back i enjoyed seeing it in a big theater but the good news is if you all didn't get to see it in theaters it's still definitely a film that would be nice on a small screen it's not one where i feel mm -hmm. like like 1917 is aided if you go to a huge film and get yeah. to see the the explosions and all that stuff. But this is not one where you had to see get that kind of experience. So I think that's nice, actually, because you can't always have that experience. Yeah, I was going to say I watched it on my TV, which is not huge. But like you said, I it, would, it didn't need a huge screen to make an impact. So like you said, it plays well on the small screen, too. So it's rated PG-13 for mature thematic content, some disturbing images, violence and language. It's an hour and 48 minutes. IMDb, an 8 out of 10. Really good score there. Rotten Tomatoes, 80% critics, 95% audience interesting that the audience score is 15 percent higher than the critics score especially for a movie like this that is kind of made for critics a little bit i thought that was so weird too i actually like went back to double check the scores because i wasn't <laughs> sure i got that right um yeah but i'm glad audiences liked it i think i found some good quotes hopefully to support that though because i can see how some people were uncomfortable with the subject matter mm -hmm. um and also if you know how last time we made a joke in our last episode about like not parasite. I don't think it was parasite. It was the farewell uh, lighthouse episode when you said this is cinema. This is cinema. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard. I think some people who are like, I just came for the theater and they say it like that. Yes. I think maybe they don't. They won't find Jojo Rabbit mm -hmm. as endearing. Um, but I think I can see how the general public would be very entertained by the retelling of this kind of horrible 
yes. Holocaust story. And I think that is credit too to Taika Watiti, who directed and wrote the movie because he didn't write it in a way that it was just so stuck upish and so set for like a, a small audience. He tried to make it broad, but still put all the necessary parts in there. So I think that could be a reason too, like you said, like it's it they, he dumbs it down in some parts a little bit, and there is a lot of humor in it too. It's a very funny movie. So the critics could be like, oh, why is he doing that? That's not allowed. So I think that could be where some of the scores come down a little bit for the critics. So box mm-hmm. office box office wise, it's made $27 million domestically, $64 million worldwide. It was a $14 million budget for this movie. So it's a really good return on investment for the studio that made Jojo Rabbit. So did very well at the box office, which is great to see. That's always what you want for some original movies. That's always good. And some other things about the film, too. The synopsis, a young boy in Hitler's army finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their home. Also, this was distributed by Fox Searchlight. I was trying to look up who that was. That's who who released this movie. So synopsis is pretty simple for this film. And then it follows the young boy whose name is Jojo throughout kind of his childhood. Hitler is like kind of an has he has like Hitler as imaginary friend sort of. Um, So that's kind of plays out throughout the movie. And Hitler is played by Taika Waititi, the director of the film. So the whole thing is very interesting how it kind of plays out. But we'll get into some critics reviews now for up we have john simley of the new republic who says despite its setting in nazi germany taika watiti's movie never risks actually disturbing its audience yes this was a negative obviously a negative Mm -hmm. review i actually put the negative ones near the top kind of backwards this time um i disagree with this uh I can see he's probably saying like, oh, they don't get into the nitty gritty of like Auschwitz and different internment camps. I mean, that's true, but you do people die and there's a lot of really sad thematic elements. So I disagree with him. I think this is just someone that maybe was looking for something a little less um, comedic and and maybe Mm -hmm. more serious and dark and sad. It does take, like you, like we've said, it does involve Hitler, but it definitely takes like a light tone. If that's, I know that doesn't make sense if you haven't seen the movie. You're like, how does that? How does Hitler, Nazi Germany? How do they take a light tone with that? But they achieve it in this movie. So I think that's where this reviewer is coming from. Is like they kind of gloss over some of the more gritty, gruesome parts of Nazi Germany for this story. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And I actually I knew that Hitler was going to be his imaginary friend, but I didn't I had no idea going into it how they were going to do that and make Mm -hmm. it funny. And I think they had a really good take on Hitler. I don't know that it's accurate, but I also really hate Hitler. So I don't like to think of him in a positive light. I've heard some people say he was smart. Um, I like to think he was a buffoon uh, like Tycho plays him. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah. Next up, we have Bill Goody Kuntz of Arizona Republic, who says, Too soon. That's the question at the heart of whether you'll find Jojo Rabbit, a story of acceptance and inclusion, or an offensive lark. I'm in the former camp. Your mileage may vary. I thought this was really good, actually, mm-hmm. because, you know, people, they'll talk about, like, um, you know, JFK or, or yeah. Lincoln. They'll be like, oh, you want to go to the theater? Oh, too soon? Um, <laughs> I thought this was a really good... <laughs> like good way to mention it because there's definitely going to be people I'm sure there are people that were deeply offended by this Mm -hmm. film but I actually thought he did a really good job of not making it offensive that could be me though I I am not a holocaust survivor I don't have family as far as I know that were either so it hasn't touched my life in that way but to me I thought that they dealt with the gravity of the situation really really well 
I think they did too. And I think one of those things that I'll talk about in the likes a little bit more, but the fact that Taika Waititi, the director and the writer, plays Hitler, I think that is what kind of makes it work. I feel like he thought maybe, like, oh, I could get somebody else to play him. But I think when you write something, you know the story better than basically anybody that could read the script and act it out. So I feel like he had it in his head exactly kind of how he wanted that character to be portrayed on screen. So I feel like if he didn't play Hitler, it may not have worked as well. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I loved him as Hitler and I actually didn't know he was I didn't know at first uh, my boyfriend had to tell me he was like oh that's the director because I'd never seen him mm-hmm. and then after that I really liked him so I went online and watched interviews with him on YouTube and he's a delightful human being next up we have say this lady's name for me because I always screw it up from Time Magazine oh Stephanie yes Z. okay <laughs> Yes, Stephanie Zacharect. Also, I wanted to say I do try to pick different people, but this week I truly liked these quotes. So I don't know if people are avid listeners, maybe they recognize that. But I really do try to pick different people mm-hmm. if they have good things to like interesting things to say. Um, but yeah, Stephanie yeah. Zacharek, I believe. Good to know. Yeah, Katie does do research. She doesn't just go to the same four people yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and just pull their quotes every uh, week. Yeah. So there's there's Stephanie again. Okay, Stephanie says about Jojo Rabbit. It's Watiti's ability to balance unassailable goofy moments with an acknowledgement of real life horrors that make the movie exceptional. Obviously a positive review. Yes. And I agreed with this. I think I don't know that I can say it or or, you know, wax poetic, say anything better than the way she just said it. But I think that it was, again, a really good balance of goofy, but also and lighthearted with also very serious, dramatic things that you should care about. Next, we have Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times, who has been reviewing movies probably longer than I've been alive, who says Jojo Rabbit draws upon the past to make salient points about the state of the world today, with Watiti urging us sometimes in not so subtle ways to pay attention to history. This is, of course, my favorite quote. I think this is pretty direct in saying that um, history does seem to be cyclical and repeats itself. There's a reason people say that. And I think he is urging us to be concerned and to care and stay vigilant against hatred and teaching children Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Because a big point in this movie and a big point in a lot of movies that we've seen actually throughout this whole Oscar season has been friendship. I mean, it popped up in Ford versus Ferrari. It popped up in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It pops up in Little Women, the big theme of friendship. And that's what happens in this movie, too, because Jojo befriends um, the the Jewish girl, Elsa, who is played by Thomas and McKenzie. They form a friendship together, even though they have obviously differing opinions, differing views on things. But but that's really one point that the movie is trying to get across throughout the entire film is that you should really, you know, be be mindful of people who have different views and opinions than you do. And you can still be friends with somebody even if you don't agree with them on certain things. Um, Hi, Jared. Way to make me cry. That was so <laughs> beautiful. You're so right, though. That does seem to be a general theme. That I, I do think that happens every year at the Oscars. I mm-hmm. kind of reflect and think, what do the movies have in common? And this year, it's a lot about unity, but friendship. You're exactly right. It's not a lot of love stories and things. It's about taking care of your neighbor. Mm-hmm. 
and this is directed by Taika Waititi, who we've mentioned also wrote the screenplay. He's also directed what we do in The Shadows, Thor Ragnarok, and the eighth episode of The Mandalorian, which Disney just announced the second season will be premiering this October. So if you're a fan of that, you can check out season two of The Mandalorian in, in October. And he has multiple directing projects already lined up. Again, as we talked about with Bong Joon-ho, kind of a director that does some different things. Like he's done a Marvel movie and then he, he does this. Yeah, he really, I was looking at some of his stuff. A lot of it I hadn't heard of, but I was mm-hmm. really impressed with what he has directed. And he seems to kind of hit it out of the park. At least the big ones I've seen, he did a really good job. Yeah, he's done a lot of decent uh, films and Marvel likes him as a director too. So he's doing some more, I think he's going to do some more Mar- Marvel movies in the future. He's got a couple different things on the agenda. So Always interested to see Taika Waititi when he directs a film. So we'll take a quick break right now, and then when we come back, we'll get into our ca- the cast and the likes and dislikes for Jojo Rabbit. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. Getting into the cast now, we have up first Roman Griffin Davis, who plays the lead character, Jojo. Yes, I did our top three. This actually, I was surprised. There were some like definite amazing cast members in this movie, but we can't go through them all. But Roman made quite a splash. This is his very first acting credit. He is set to star in a movie called Silent Night. That's currently in pre-production. And just to give you a heads up, he is only 12 years old. So I bet we're going to see a lot from him. He did a fantastic job in this movie. Oh, he's darling. Don't even get me started, though. Um, Archie Yates. I'm going to mention him at the end. He's the one that plays (laughs) his friend, Yorkie. Might be the cutest kid I've ever seen. (laughs) Every scene with them actually made me get teary because they were so darling together. But I didn't get information on him because I I would want to talk about him the rest of the episode. But (laughs) just please, if you watch this movie, please watch Jojo and Yorkie together. It's the cutest thing ever. Next up, we have Scarlett Johansson. She plays Rosie. Um, We covered her in episode 33 of the podcast when she was in Marriage Story. So I'll be brief. She's known for her. Lost in Translation and The Avengers. Next up, you'll see her in Black Widow. I did want to let you know, though, this is her first time being nominated for an Oscar, which we also mentioned in a previous episode. She's nominated in two acting categories, but this is the first. She's one of only 12 people I read that has been nominated for two roles in the same year. Hmm. So that's a big accomplishment. And probably even more rare that she did that the first time she was ever nominated. The first time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if um, she would win for something, she would win for Marriage Story instead of this. Yeah. But that's that's kind of the consensus right now is that she'd win in the lead actress category instead of supporting. But you never yes. know. You never know what's going to happen. I would agree. Also, I could be wrong, but I can't resist mentioning I believe Tom Hanks was also nominated for two categories the first year. But I could Good be wrong. Know. <laughs> Wait. No, I I think I'm wrong. Back I'm to lying. back years, maybe. I'm lying. I'm thinking back to back, okay. which only five people. Let's not get into it. Anyway, moving on. I really just wanted, I needed to throw Tom (laughs) in here. I just, I had to get it out. Um, Thomason McKenzie is next up. You and I have both mentioned her. Um, Mm -hmm. She plays Elsa. She is the Jewish girl in the film. She is stunning. I think she is so beautiful. Um, She is only 19 years old, but she already has 20 acting credits. So she's averaging over one a year for her life. She is originally from New Zealand, which I thought was an interesting tidbit. She's best known for Leave No Trace. The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. And she was also in Netflix's The King, which I didn't write down her role, but she was one of the, I think either the queen or the princess of another country. So it was minor. Um, We covered The King, though, in episode 27 of the podcast. If you're interested, it's been a very popular episode. 
Thank you, listeners. And then next up, she is going to star in Last Night in Soho and The Justice of Bunny King. So Mm. we'll see her again. And We've No Trace, which I just want to mention that real quick, which came out last year, is very good if you haven't seen it. Um, It's basically about a father and daughter that live in like the woods, sort of. Ben Foster's in it. So it was kind of a smaller film, but it's got like very high ratings. It's still at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, critics score so which is crazy oh my gosh if you want to check it out it's very good um you can stream it and stuff so it's kind of interesting but i saw that in theaters that last year and it was very good and you know how your like slightly inappropriate celebrity crush is timothy chalamet i think uh, thomas and mckenzie might be mine because we're seven years apart so not not crazy difference but still slightly inappropriate at at this age (laughs) that's fantastic congratulations (laughs) welcome to the club also thank you so many people have told me that that's not inappropriate, that I love Tom, uh, Timothy. Okay. But I'm also like, well, okay, but if he actually, like, if we really did meet at a grocery store and he wanted to date, I think I would feel a little <laughs> weird about it. Even yeah. if it's legal and everything's fine, I would still be like, I don't know. I don't know, Timothy. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't actually say no to Timothy, but I'm just saying in real life, not imaginary life, I don't yes. know how it would go. But moving on, Thomason is uh, just darling. We're going to see her in other things. And I did want to mention the other cast, the supporting cast. They were amazing. There was Sam Rockwell, Stephen Merchant, Alfie Allen, Taika Watiti, which we've mentioned, the director, and Archie Yates, which I put cutest kid ever. He so is those are adorable. The supporting cast. Yes. I feel like, too, they used him just the right amount. Like, too much of him oh, would have been point. probably a little overbearing, slightly annoying. But, like, he pops up in like five or six scenes. He steals every scene that he's in, and he's just, he's got great lines. Like, he's just hilarious. So I thought they used him. Like, I thought about that throughout the movie. I was like, they're using this kid like the perfect amount, like adding great humor, um, but not making it so much that it's like overbearing. I also thought of like Rebel Wilson's character, who Rebel Wilson gets a lot of like flack for the fat Amy in the later Pitch Perfect movies because they use that so much as a crutch that it's not funny anymore. But I thought her character in this was also pretty funny in the, in the few minutes that she was in it. I am so sorry. I definitely thought I put her in that list and I didn't. So I'm so glad you mentioned her. But I think that's an excellent observation. I think the supporting roles really had a good amount of time on stage, but it wasn't like or on camera. Um, But you weren't annoyed with them. And I will say just running to a quick dislike, I was sad. I don't know what happened to Yorkie's character. I Mm -hmm. remember at the end being like, wait, did he get blown up? Like what happened to him? I mean, it's fine. I'll survive. But I remember being sad and concerned about him at the end. So we'll get into our likes and dislikes now. So first off, our one of our likes, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but the acting in the movie is really great from everybody involved. And like we said, we kind of were talking about Scarlett Johansson and her performance in this at Marriage Story. Marriage Story is kind of the more standout performance, but she's still very good in this. And the, the child actors, as we've, as we've mentioned, were great in this movie too. Yeah, I can't say it really better than that. I was trying to think, you know, I've been a little bitter about the Oscar choices, which I think that happens every year. It's pretty normal. But I definitely think I would choose. No, I know I would choose Scarlett in Marriage Story over this. But she did really surprise me in this role. But after I saw it, I did think, okay, she did a great job. But would I have picked Mm -hmm. given somebody else like Aquafina the chance to be supporting? Yeah, I would have rather nominated someone like that. But that's just me. But all the acting was great. And I am just more and more impressed by Scarlett. She's one of those people that I really wasn't a fan of. And now I'm becoming a very big fan. 
I'm interested to see Black Widow when it comes out because that will be a huge budget movie that she is, you know, she's leading it. She's the star of it. So both of these movies that she was nominated for this year, a little bit smaller in Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, but coming up in a few months, she's going to, you know, be one of the faces of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is huge. So very interested to see how that plays out. And that probably will even more propel her like into the spotlight than she is already. So... Also, uh, dating engaged to Colin Jost, which I always think is a kind of odd relationship, but is a thing. Yes, I know. I actually really <laughs> like them together. When I first heard about it, I was like, yeah, that's not going to last. But now I'm I'm eating my words. I think they're doing really well, and I'm happy for them. So some other likes about this movie, and one thing that I noticed, too, is the music is really good. Um, that's a really cool thing. They start and end the movie with some very famous songs, but like recorded in a different language. Sort of like they use a Beatles song at the beginning, but they're not singing it in English. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I did. I actually really liked the music choices. That was a definite like of mine because I loved that they had a mixture of kind of new versus old stuff. Um, but I know that I don't think that would work for every film. I think this was the perfect film to make a choice like that. Um, because it gave it a lightness and stuff like I think Taika was trying to do with his comedy. So I actually was totally behind the music choices. And then also another like in the movie, the costumes are really good. This is nominated for a lot of costuming awards, which is cool to see. So and it's rightly deserved this nominated for like best costume design. So the costumes in this movie are really great. Jared, I could not get over the costumes. They were spectacular. I would love for them to win for a costuming category. Um, But it's also, I am biased because the 40s, I mean, for almost all of my life has been my favorite fashion decade and it's never swayed. I love the style of the 40s. Um, And it stood out to me too, because when you talk about subject matter like the Holocaust, which is so dark and horrifying, it was really nice to see outfits, especially on Rosie, that were a reminder of beauty. Like all these Mm -hmm. fabrics, they were rich fabrics. They were gorgeous, rich colors. And I just thought that was neat. So it was like a reminder of beautiful things. But in the background, it was all this horrifying stuff that was going on. People dying and being killed and being questioned and bigotry and prejudice. So I really loved that. The costumes were a huge standout for me. Yeah, the colors were very... They were just like popping in this movie, which was cool to see. So... I uh, also liked in this movie, too, like you mentioned the combination of trying to kind of do a lighthearted story with also a serious tone to it. And I think that plays out a lot throughout the movie, even at the beginning of the film where like the kids are at this sort of like summer camp type thing to learn how to be Nazis, sort of like Sam Rockwell is kind of leading them at this camp. But even that has like a funny aspect to it. But also you're like, you know, this is like kids shouldn't be doing this. You know what I mean? So the the balance there is is pretty good. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because it's at that camp. I mean, I don't think we're giving away many spoilers. I don't know if there's a lot of spoilers mm-hmm. to give. There's one I can think of that I'll try not to mention. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Jojo, yeah, at that camp, he gets hurt and because he throws a grenade. Yeah. Well, he doesn't throw it in time and he gets hit by the grenade. I And it becomes kind of like a joke throughout the rest of yeah. the film. Um, but I didn't actually think he was going to get hurt. And it was so close to the beginning of the film. I just thought, what is going to happen? And what is this going to lead to? But so I thought that was funny. But yeah, it was like a, a little camp for baby Nazis. It was yeah. terrible. I do have to say, though, really enjoyed Sam Rockwell's character. He was probably one of my favorite supporting 
actor. Yeah, the supporting he was great. In this movie. Him, Stephen Merchant was also good for the five minutes that he showed up to, where they just right. basically say "Hail Hitler" to everybody like fifty times. It was a very funny scene oh. that happened at that point. So again, that was funny. Rough. That was hard for me. Funny, but also you know, kind of horrifying in the same way. So. The combination there is is really well done. So, and obviously, as we mentioned in the Richard Roper review, these things are some of these things are still playing out today. These theologies, these viewpoints. So that's unfortunate to see, but it is still a thing that we're dealing with in today's culture too. Yeah, I think ultimately this film is just a great way to tell. I read what Taika was aiming for. He's trying to like retell the story to new generations, but in a different way. And since this was based on a book, I know that that gave him a lot of the ideas for this story. But I loved that most of the jokes were told with a good balanced level where they weren't, to me at least, offensive. Um I was really uncomfortable, though, thinking about how you can see some of these things playing out still today. That actually was what scared me so much more than anything I saw in the film. But again, mm-hmm. that was kind of like when I was reflecting afterwards. Also, I just before we get into our dislikes, I just wanted to mention like two of my favorite quotes from the movie because there is some very funny lines. Uh, the first one is when uh, Hitler, played by Taika Waititi, is offering Jojo Rabbit a cigarette and he's like, I'm 10 years old. I don't want your cigarettes. I thought that was a funny line. And then another one is when Rosie says love is the strongest thing in the world. And Jojo says, I think you'll find that metal is the strongest thing in the world, followed closely by dynamite and then muscles. <laughs> so cute. I love both those quotes, too. Those just definitely sound like things a 10-year-old would say. <laughs> yeah. So cute. So also, cute. We, we all knew this kid when we were younger that, like, was just doing way too serious things for like being a 10 year old, which is a point that's brought up a lot in this movie. Like you're 10, like just, just have fun. Like you don't, you don't have to like protect, you know, the Germans and the, and the Nazis and everything. So like, just chill out, man, just be a kid. Like, I feel like everybody has that kid that they knew that was just like doing super serious things when they were like really young and like, shouldn't you just be like playing video games and jumping on the trampoline, man? Like not what you should be doing at 11. I just couldn't get over how cute the kids were, too. I, everything they said was so good. I think Taika, too. I don't know much about his personal life, but I do want to know if he has children or plans to. Mm-hmm. Or is like I could see him being a fun uncle as well. Yeah. So we'll move into our dislikes now as we get into that. Not too many dislikes, honestly. This is a very good film, but just a few things. And I guess this is a spoiler alert here for Jojo Rabbit as we move into our dislikes. So just FYI, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you don't want it spoiled. Again, there's not many things to spoil, but if you don't want it spoiled, cut tune out here and then come back. But one of your dislikes, Katie, I know, was that you didn't like that Rosie's character died, who was played by Scarlett Johansson, Jojo's mom, basically. Oh, crap. I did forget that I spoiled <laughs> that in the notes. Yeah, I was pretty <laughs> mad that she died. I'm not I'm not altogether surprised, mm-hmm. but I also was like, did that really need to happen? We already know 7 million people died. Like, yeah. did we really have to kill the one woman who was taking care of the child? Anyway, that was just my thoughts. How did you feel, too, about the storyline that was basically... Jojo writes letters to Elsa, but he writes them from the perspective of her fiance because she says she has a fiance. But then you figure out at the end of the movie that her fiance has actually been dead for a year. So and Jojo doesn't know that. So he continues to write these letters. But I thought that was an interesting storyline. Obviously, another sad moment when you find that out. But I thought that was kind of interesting how they how they did that whole thing, which I thought would just be good to bring up here since we're talking about some of the storylines of it. 
I loved that storyline. I thought that that was very sweet. And again, going back to just like the age thing, I think that was an adorable thing that seemed like something a young a young kid mm-hmm. would do, like 10 to 12 years old, because you could tell he was starting to develop quite a crush on her. Yep. But also, I think he was... I think this is actually true to how a lot of people, when they feel conflicted about a person they've been told to hate, you would be conflicted about, should I be nice or should I not? Should I express empathy or not? And so I think that was really accurate. Like he was trying to do something nice for her, but he wasn't able to fully just be humble himself and say like, hey, I'm overcoming this prejudice I've been taught my entire life. Mm -hmm. So he just did a sweet thing for her. So I thought that was that was one of my favorite storylines of the entire film. And that pops up, too, when they come into the house, Stephen Merchant's character and his group come in and then Sam Rockwell's character shows up and they go upstairs and they ask basically her birth date, something to do with the birthday, and she gets it wrong. But Sam Rockwell says that she got it, you know, basically lets her go like, yeah, she got it right. That's what it says here on her papers. Like, we're good. So I thought that was another moment, too, where he's like, "And she's a child. We don't need to, you know, totally interrogate her and and take her in. Right. I think, um, too, there was one other, oh, there was one other thing that I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. So when, when Rosie dies, I yeah. did feel like Jojo moving on so quickly was very unbelievable. I think that yeah. was the only giant mistake I spotted. Um, I mean, I know a lot of it is like surreal. Hitler's not really mm-hmm. anyone's imaginary friend. Well, probably not. I don't want to know those people. <laughs> um, but the fact that Jojo was just like, oh, my gosh, my mom's dead. And then he went back to his house and then he just befriended Elsa. I mean, they were already friends, but like all the stuff he was able to do or like the fact that he wasn't concerned about where he was going to find food or, you know, like how he was going to pay for the house, stuff like that. I thought this just isn't believable or I would I would hope to see a little bit more struggle. It was like he cried once and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. He basically just goes, talks to Yorkie and he's like, yeah, my mom died. And he's like, yeah, I heard. I saw that. Like she, yeah. you know, they, they basically <laughs> executed her in the, in the town square. So um, that was, and then like you said, he moves on, which is so different from the other movie that I can think of that relates to a child losing their parent is the Goldfinch, which is not as good of a movie as this, but that whole movie is literally the character of Ansel Elgort dealing with the fact that, you know, his parents are gone. Yeah. And I mean, he spirals into like a depression and pill popping and drinking and being promiscuous. I mean, like that to me seems more of an accurate depiction of what would happen to you. But to see like a 10 year old allegedly like his mom dies and he just moves on after crying once i thought well that seemed glossed over so that was my main criticism actually of the entire thing yeah and we should mention too that like his dad isn't in the picture at all so he never shows up in the movie so that would be another thing that's like his both his parents are gone he's like ah, eh, i'm fine i'll just keep chugging along so agreed uh, <laughs> the only other thing for a dislike is like obviously this film does involve around jews and nazis and and things of that nature and there is a lot of jokes related to both of those groups so that's never really great even in today's culture to joke about those types of things but it it is in this movie and i don't think i was offended by it I don't think you were offended by it, Katie, but just so people know, I mean, it is it is in there because we're talking about this subject matter. Yes, actually, I it was just hard to hear it over and over. Like mm-hmm. the Heil Hitler scene, yeah. that was borderline on the edge of being super annoying. But also I was like, oh, gosh, it's it's like really when I hear different kinds of racial epithets in yeah. movies, it's it's hard for me. Um, personally. So I love how they dealt with the subject matter, but it doesn't make it less difficult to to hear that stuff mm-hmm. or witness that kind of hatred. 
Are you ready to give your score for Jojo Rabbit? Yes. Also, I have sad breaking news. I'm sorry. Okay. This just popped up on my phone. Kirk Douglas just passed away. Oh, that's very sad. Legendary actor. He was in Spartacus. He's the yep. father of Michael Douglas, but he was 103 people. So he had a good long life, but he is definitely a Hollywood legend. So yes. I thought it popped up on my phone and I wanted to make it known. Good to know. Props to him, yeah. too. I mean, 103 years old. That's people don't, you know, get, it's it's oh, rare for somebody to get over 100. So congrats Absolutely. to him. I'm sure he will yes. be honored at the Oscars coming up on Sunday, yep. too. So. Just just. Oh, that's rude. I was going to say just in time. But I, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I'm saying yes. It's enough before the Oscars that they can they'll put get, him in the mo- in memoriam. Put him in. Yes. Yep. Let's cut that out. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, yes, I'm ready for scores. Cool. Thank you. I, would you one, would, one thing, too, about yes. the Oscars. I know Billie Eilish is performing at the Oscars. I don't know if she's doing the In Memoriam <gasps> segment or not, but I know she is performing. So not really sure what she's going to perform. I don't perform, know. I am but. so pumped. And she is also doing the James Bond song. And she I is. cannot wait. I love Billie Eilish. I'm I'm super into her. She is. She was not in Jojo Rabbit, but that's just no. Uh, she wasn't. Just, but shout out to Billy if you listen to the podcast. Shout out to Billy Eilish and her brother Phineas. You know, gotta oh, give him we a love shout Phineas. out too. So yes. Okay, we'll get into our scores now for Jojo Rabbit. I can't remember who went first on the last episode. I, so me either. Let's. <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll just go. I'll okay. Volunteer. Go ahead and go first. So like I stated, I basically was a huge fan of this film. It wasn't my favorite of the year, but I think that they took a story we've heard over and over and made it kind of lighthearted, but also just had a different retelling. And it's really a cautionary tale about how we should teach children that it's a learned behavior to hate. And so we should teach them not to be hateful and bigots and prejudiced. Um, So I'm all for it, but I really enjoyed it. So much of it was just done perfectly. So I'm going to give this an 82. Good to know. I'm going to go right near you on the score. Um, and I gave it just slightly higher. Not much, though. I'm giving it an 84 out of 100. So excellent. Thought it was pretty good. It wasn't my favorite of this round of Oscar, you know, best picture nominees. So but still a very solid film. One that is definitely you should watch once. You could rewatch it, too. It's got a lot of funny moments in it. It's a very cute story. I feel like I'll be rewatching it just to see Archie Yates uh, in his scenes. Like, just go back and watch his five or six scenes uh, just to see his cuteness. Love. So. He's also going to be in. The, I looked it up. He's going to be in the Home Alone reboot on Disney Plus. So, which yes, a lot of people I did are, hear that. A lot of people are offended about that because they're like, we don't need to remake Home Alone, but he's going to be in it, I guess. So look uh, for listen, him. Listen, you didn't have to remake West Side Story either, okay? <laughs> yep. But we're going to see how that's going to go, aren't we? This Christmas, get ready, everybody. <laughs> West Side Story. So those are our scores for the Silver Screen Podcast or for Jojo Rabbit, Scary. And you can listen to the Silver Screen Podcast a lot of different ways on Apple Podcasts, in Google Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us there and just rate and review the show. That really helps us out. And then follow us on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. There'll be links in the description for this episode and then on Facebook at the Silver Screen Podcast. And coming up next on the Silver Screen Podcast, we're going to have a full breakdown of the Academy Awards, all the big winners, all the surprises, all of that. I'm very excited to talk about the Academy Awards and find out who wins. I cannot wait. I'm so excited, Jared. I will see you at the Oscar party. I will see you there too. So that wraps up our review here of Jojo Rabbit. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 